This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour, the best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to Sports Psychology Hour. I'm on every week as we talk about the mental side of sports in this show, and I just began my 38th year this past week of work. 38 years, which means I'm old. Been around a long time. Been on the radio for 27 years, and I look forward to doing this show every week because we talk about mindsets and attitudes. We talk about you. If you're an athlete, if you're a coach, if you're a parent, if you're an official, and God knows there's stuff to talk about every week. All you have to do is watch anything on the weekend. And I've got more. I could be on the air for six hours talking about stuff. There's so much stuff to talk about when it comes to the mental side of sports. You know, one of the topics that I am very, very passionate about is youth sports. And I've been dealing with it, with the issues in youth sports for, for years. And on my radio show here in Kansas City, I've talked about it forever. The issues that come up, uh, two years ago, I completed a, a book co-authoring with Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame closer, Jeff Montgomery, and Pete Malone, who coached five gold medals in the Olympics, coached for 40 years, and is in the USA Swimming Hall of Fame. Our book is called Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. And we wrote this book and decided to write this book because of the issues that are going on with youth sports that I think are pretty prominent now and, and happening all the time. And the issues with sportsmanship, which go across the board. We just completed the U.S. Open Women's Tennis Tournament, and... Serena Williams lost in the finals, very controversial final because she was accused of cheating. And now there's a whole issue that she's bringing up about sexism in sports, which is a separate issue I want to get into. But the issue of cheating, she claimed her coach gave her hand signals during her match. Well, Serena Williams does not need her coach to give her hand signals in a match. Okay, so that was ridiculous. But then she lost her temper. Then she yelled at the official, accused him of cheating or called him a thief. Then she slammed a racket. It broke. She got a penalty for that, and she then became the target of the referee. Now she's claiming that wouldn't have happened to men, and she's right. It wouldn't have happened to men. But this issue of sportsmanship, which is more important to me right now in terms of our conversation today, is what I want to get into. And I've seen a change in youth sports, as, you've, as you know if you listen to this show. I've seen parents going ballistic on sidelines. You know, I had a soccer referee on a few weeks ago named Brian Barlow down in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who has a website now where he has people send in videos of parents or coaches going crazy on the sidelines. Since last fall, he's had 4,000 of these sent in. He pays $100 for everyone who sends one in. He puts on his website. He said it's ridiculous, the behavior of parents and coaches. So today I decided, you know what, I'm going to have somebody come in and talk with me about it. 
who coaches. Coaches kids, coaches at the high school level. So joining me this morning live in studio is Donnie Campbell. I've known Donnie for a long time. He's a basketball coach. He's a lot bigger than I am, so I'm going to be respectful. He's coached for over 30 years. He's coached kids. He's coached high school athletes. Well, high school athletes are kids, but he's coached the youth sport level, high school level, and he has tremendous experience with this. So I wanted him to come in so we could talk about this. So, Donnie, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. You know, 30 years of coaching. Have we seen a change in sports? Have we seen a change in new sports in the high school sports level from when you started to now? Well, relative to sportsmanship, I think that um, because of social media, it's probably a lot more seen, a lot of the more of the bad things are going on. I think there's a lot of good things going on as well. But as far as sportsmanship, from my perspective, is I think it starts with the coach and the example that he sets for his athletes. And then it also starts at home, too. You know, the parents have to set the right tone, the right example for how kids are going to act. And everybody has to be held accountable um, from the coach to the to the athletes, to the parents. And um, but I think it starts with the coach and I think it starts with him or her acting and setting the right example. OK, you just hit on something in, in, in your statement there. Social media, you know, five years ago, social media was not what it is now. In fact, three years ago, it wasn't. So now. Anything anybody does is at, at a sporting event is probably videoed by somebody, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't care what it is. You're probably going to see it somewhere if it isn't normal. If somebody's just not doing their thing, you're probably going to see that. Okay. So as a coach now, you probably have to be a little more sensitive. Not that you weren't before, but you have to be more sensitive to your behavior sitting on, on the sideline, right? You have to be sensitive to what you're saying, how you're saying it, the way you're saying it. Because there's probably somebody with a cell phone videoing something that may pick it up, correct? Oh, yes. And, and, and the, the longer I coach, the more I'm cognizant of, you know, of how I act, what I say, how I do. I think, I think you learn through experience as a coach. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. And, again, your body language a lot of times tells uh, your athletes or people, you know, when you're 6'6", 240 pounds, probably a little heavier than that right now. But, you know, people see you um, – in a different light. So I've had to learn to, um, I've had to learn to, when I did coach, I tried not to stand as much because I'm a big, I'm an imposing person. So many times my body language would not always be what I was thinking or saying. Um, but bottom, bottom line is this, is, is you have to, as a coach, be very cognizant of what you're saying and doing around kids, around anybody now. Okay. I'm going to ask you two questions and you didn't know I was going to ask you this when you came in here, but I like to, to surprise people. I, I'd like to hear the worst thing you ever did as a coach, and I want to hear the best thing you've ever done as a coach from your perspective in regards to the kids you've coached. I would think probably one of the worst things. Wow. Um, I think sometimes it's what you say to kids. You know, maybe it'd be you lost it with a young man and uh, some of the things that you said, and I can remember things that you said to kids and, and staying up at night not you know not being able to sleep wishing I never would have said that and going in first thing in the morning and going up to that that young man and saying hey I was wrong what I said it won't happen again I think the world of you I said it was just a heat of the moment thing and, so uh, you've so so you've had the guts to go up to a young man or, or, or lady and say hey I, I screwed up I'm sorry oh yeah many times okay uh -huh. well see I think that says a lot about you as a person 
because I know a lot of coaches who won't apologize to kids. Mm-hmm. Said, I don't, I don't know them an apology. You know, I lost my temper. They got to figure it out. I have two young ladies, and I mentioned this on the show last week, who are high school volleyball players I'm working with right now, who have female coaches who curse them out at practices. And the one coach, at, at, whenever anybody screws up, she makes them run sprints. And I'm sitting there thinking, and let me ask you as a basketball coach this, making your kids run sprints because somebody screws up, does that make it make them hate running? I mean, I know what conditioning is, but then it's like, I don't want to run anymore. I mean, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I think that um, we tried to make our practices, I always had a, I like, try to make practices like games and games like practice. We wanted practice to be so hard that the games were easy. Now, I'm talking from also, I think, I think sometimes people think coaching is, you know, the physical side of it. It's also, I believe you got to teach kids how to play. So you got to teach kids how to think. So you got to put them in situations and practice that they have to think. Well, last week I had, I had a football coach call up, asked him to call back this week. We'll see if he does. High school football coach asked him to take his team at a practice and take part of a practice and have everyone on the team. He said there are 40 players on their high school football team. It's a small team. To have all the athletes write down their goals, strengths, weaknesses, fears, and distractions. He said there are 10 coaches, 40 kids, so each coach could take four players and talk to each of those kids individually about why they're there, what's going on, try to get to know them better. In our book, Just Let Them Play, I talk about the role of a coach as multidimensional. And you have to be a disciplinarian, you have to be an instructor, you have to be a guide, but you also have to be a psychologist, don't you? Mm-hmm. Why? Why do you agree with that? Well, I think um, every kid is different and they can't be coached the same way. You know, one one young man or young lady can be, you know, you can motivate maybe more through um, being a little tougher on them. Some of them need to be more uh, taken aside and arm around and say, hey, you know, you made some mistakes last night. You know, they're mistakes that uh, aren't going to define you. They're going to refine you. They're going to make you better. And you said something earlier I think so important with kids is they have to learn how to fail. And as a coach, you have to be there with them when they're failing and say, hey, you know, we're in this together. You know, you made some mistakes last night. I made some mistakes last night. Let's learn through those and make us better. I asked you a few moments ago the worst thing you've done. What's the best thing you've done as a coach? Well, I think it's, I think it's a it's – a pro, it's always a – as you get older, you get more wisdom. You realize what works and what doesn't work. Is that why the gray hairs we have make us wiser? <clears throat> no, that's three daughters. <laughs> For you. <laughs> but um, – I think as you get older, you realize that um, it's all about relationships with kids. And I think it seems as the years have gone by that it, you really have to work on that as you get older because your age is a lot farther away from their age. And that's harder to do. Um, but I think that's key in coaching is to develop that trust with the, those athletes in you that you believe in their best interest and that it's a process. And, you know, at times... Um, things aren't uh, going to go well, but if we'll work, work through these, we'll come out the other end a lot better, not only as a team, but as a person. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and this is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here talking with you about the mental side of sports. And today, 
Got a great guest in the studio with me. His name's Donnie Campbell. He's coached basketball for over 30 years at both the high school and youth sport level. We're talking about youth sports and the issues going on with youth sports. And I want to hear from you. If you're a parent, if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, what's going on with youth sports today? Is it good or is it bad? What's your opinion? I want to get your thoughts. I want to find out if you think we're doing the right thing by getting kids to play organized sports at younger and younger ages, or is it, is, it, is it not good? Are we putting too much pressure on kids to win, to succeed? And Don and I are going to talk about this throughout this segment. We're going to talk about the issue of sportsmanship and pressure. Let's go to the phones. We have our first call of the morning. Let's see what Bill has to say. Bill, good morning, sir. How are you? Morning. Uh, just wanted to um, say I've enjoyed so far listening to uh, Coach Campbell speak and um, – the, the greatest thing that was said was that uh, he apologizes for mistakes that he makes. And um, I've watched Coach Campbell for a number of years, and I've watched um, his teams um, play efficiently with less talent. And uh, uh, the greatest thing about him is he makes kids accountable for what they're doing on the court. And um, sometimes that's uncomfortable uh, because people uh, don't want to see that hear that um and that's what i think uh, um you know we have to do with you sports today you know that doesn't mean that you're mean that just means that you're making somebody do what they don't want to do and um so i enjoy the show i enjoy listening to coach campbell speak and uh, um i think it's a great venue to express from a coach's viewpoint of what he has to do with young people to get them to be a team and um uh, sometimes it's difficult Bill, let me ask you and Donnie this question. Parents on the sidelines at games who get a little bit overexcited, get a little bit too into it, and maybe start going over the edge, what do you and Donnie suggest be done? You go ahead. Bill, you start first. Well, I think that I have, what I've always done is if, if a parent becomes an interference, that you just have to communicate with them and make them realize that they've gone too far in, uh, ineffectively. It's ineffectively unproductive because this, the player, his son, his daughter, they can't respond to what their, what their parents are doing in the stands. Define going uh, too far. What do you mean by going too far? Criticizing others, criticizing the coach, um, uh, because, you know, when you get into the arena, you have to make decisions quickly. In basketball, you, it's, it's a high mental skill that you have to have immediate reaction. And it, there is no effectiveness in, in my sport of baseball. There is no effectiveness for a parent to come to the screen and yell to the coach or yell to the player that he needs to do such and such because they can't make that, they can't make that adjustment. And actually, it's an embarrassment for them. And I tell the parent that. It's an embarrassment for the young man that his father or his mother has entered into the fray. So you have to communicate with them. You have to talk with them. And that's another thing over the years of knowing Coach Campbell that, that he's done a good job with calling the parent in, uh, calling the young man in with the parent, and talking with them about what his skill sets are and what he has to do to get better. And so, therefore, you have to turn him over to me. You have to turn him over to the coach. And um, 
I like that very much. You know, I just think you have to get with the parent to make them realize what ineffectiveness they're having with their child. I, uh, Coach, I totally agree with you. And, hey, good morning to hearing your voice. <laughs> but, yeah. But um, I think, too, is until you've been a parent, like I realized how important it was when my own kids were playing and there were times when my daughters would be playing and, and, and the coach was doing things that I didn't uh, totally agree with, but I never said a word because I knew that relationship would be hurt by me saying something to my daughter between her and the coach. I didn't want to hurt that. I didn't want to fracture that. And that, that relationship, as you well know, is something that I share. I miss that, not coaching that relationship, that one-on-one relationship with your athletes. And when parents are doing that, acting like that at games, or undermining you at home by certain things that they're saying, uh, it, it just it, it fractures that relationship, which, you know, it break, that breaks my heart. See, to me it starts, for both of you as, as coaches, to me it starts in the preseason meeting, and I've talked about this forever on this show. You sit down as a coach, and I want to see if you both agree with this, you have that preseason meeting before everything starts, and set out your guidelines. And there are some coaches who don't have a problem with parents talking. I mean, I know there aren't many, but there are some. Okay, but you set out a guideline, what's acceptable, what isn't. And then you give those parents in that preseason meeting an opportunity to, to share with you, well, can I talk to you about my play, son's playing time? Uh, a good friend of mine just called me last night from New York about her daughter who's a, a sophomore on her, his high school soccer team. They've played on JV. They've played three games now, and he got in in the third game in the last 30 seconds last night, and she was livid. She goes, he's played three games, and he hasn't played anything. I, I said, well, you know what, other than 30 seconds. I said, well, then you need to have him go up to the coach and ask him. Absolutely. And so, so she texted me back this morning, and guess what? The coach said he thought he was hurt. He wasn't hurt. So we'll see if he plays in the next game. Going, going back to the, the preseason meeting, and I think it all starts with communication, but I also think that there's a time and place for the parents, and, 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 and I never like to meet with the parents unless the son was there. I think that that three-way communication is important, but they're also, you know, meeting you right after a game outside the locker room is not an appropriate time. You need to give it always 24 hours. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and this is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I've been on the radio for 27 years, and just this past week began my 38th year of work as a sports psychologist. Day after Labor Day began my 38th year. And, you know, throughout my career, I've seen a lot of things. I've had the privilege of working at all levels of, of sport with Youth sports all the way up to the professional Olympic level. I was the team psychologist for the USA Olympic cycling team for many years. 1984, we won nine medals, and the Olympics had not won any in 72 years, so I got to see a lot of great things. I've worked with professional teams, collegiate teams, traveled all over, spoken. And one of the things that concerns me tremendously is the emphasis we're putting on winning 
in youth sports at younger and younger ages. The pressures to get involved, the amount of money that youth sports costs. Parents are spending thousands of dollars on their kids to play on traveling teams, to play on teams with expert coaches who charge very large fees. And by the time these kids get to the the college age, you have to ask yourself, could I have the money to pay for their tuition for all that money? Because they didn't make it and didn't get a scholarship. Joining me today is Donnie Campbell. Donnie's coached for 30 years in the sport of basketball. I've known him for a long time. Great guy, good husband, good father, great reputation. And Donnie, let me ask you this question. Are we seeing too much pressure today on kids at younger and younger ages to win and not to have fun? Oh, I, 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 I totally agree with what you're saying, that the kids are just – there's too much pressure on them at a young age. My belief is this, kids 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, and we even did it with our freshman programs and our JV programs, it's, it's not about winning. It's about um, developing their skills, developing the confidence in the game, enjoying being – you know, I think with young kids it should be all about fun. And, and, and teaching them the right way to play. I think you're teaching an attitude as well. But you shouldn't have to be pulling your, your daughter or your son out the door to go to practice. They should be wanting to pull you to go to practice. And so I think it's got to be fun. I think it's got to be – it's not about winning. Now, they're going to want to win. The kids are going to want to win, but I don't think that's the emphasis. Why do we have this problem today with winning at five and six years of age? Why are parents talking about that? We need to win. Well, I think a lot of them are living through their kids. You know, they're, they're, maybe there were some things that they did, didn't get to do when they played, or they're living through their kids that they want them to be um, the next, uh, I don't know, Joe Montana or the next uh, LeBron James. You know, most of those kids that are young and are playing sports, what I think it's about is the relationships with their friends, um, having fun. Those are the things that I remember from Little Lions, Kansas. I mean, I remember my buddies that we go to the to the tennis courts at night and play together, and I, I'll treasure those memories. I don't, you know, it's but that stuff doesn't happen anymore, Donnie. No, it, you doesn't. Know, it doesn't happen anymore, and I've talked about it forever. It's it's like I live three houses up from Mohawk School at 67th and Lamar in in Mission, Kansas, and we'd play football and baseball up there until it got dark. We'd play basketball in my driveway. And sometimes we'd play basketball in my driveway till 11 o'clock at night till my friend Greg Hurd's parents next door would say, you guys got to stop and Greg's got to come home. Okay, doesn't happen anymore because we've got safety issues today. We've got issues with everybody's got to be in an organized, structured league and the pressures to succeed and get better and get involved in organized activities. I, I think we've taken the idea of play away from kids because everything's structured. I want to hear from if you're a parent. If you're a coach, if you're an athlete, let's see what Andy has to say. Andy, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Good. Hey, you asked a question. I'm a parent of uh, young children, and um, are they playing too young? I don't think they are. Uh, My opinion is I'm 50 years old, and I started playing soccer when I was five. Started playing basketball when I was six or seven years old uh, at the school level. Uh, I think it's good for them for competing influences, video games and electronics, uh, getting them off the couch, getting them out there. I think 
the expectations, though, of parents are way too high, too young. And I think the reason for that is um, because of the economics of the situation. We're a pay-to-play nation, and that has, in my opinion, created an issue that we have to deal with because it's not going to go away when there's economics involved. Uh, uh, you know, the, 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 they're going to continue to draw funds from parents, and parents are going to then expect high performance because they're paying for that. So that's kind of my two cents. Well, on, I think you're bringing why, up a great why we've evolved. You're bringing up a great point. Donnie wants to comment on that. Well, you know, when parents invest money, if you will, into their son or daughter's, you know, athletics expectations, they want to see some return. And I, I totally agree with you that. And and my wife and I've talked about this too of because kids aren't getting out in the driveways or out in the cul-de-sacs and playing many parents now to get them away from the video games and get them off the TV set or getting them in organized sports. And, and I think that is a positive, and I agree with you on that. I, the thing is that, that, that I am seeing from the youth sports is that it's, it's people that are coaching the youth sports, many of them are not you know, certified to be coaches. And, uh, you know, to me, a, a coach is not a coach. It's a teacher. You're a teacher of, of, of trying to teach these kids to be men and women of integrity. That's, that's what I believe it's about. Andy, let me ask this question. I, I, I agree with you about getting them off the couch and playing, but do you feel we should get kids in organized leagues at, at really young ages, at five and six? Yeah, I, I was. I was in an organized league. At, 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 at Again, I'm 50 years old, and at age five, playing soccer, age seven, playing basketball, organized uh, little league at age seven or eight. So I don't think it's a problem. Uh, I just uh, I just think parents have to balance. I, uh, my son is very, very competitive and wants to play every sport he can possibly play, and we've had two this past season just say he was playing three competitive sports, soccer, baseball, and basketball, and we just had to say. At the same time? Yes. Yes, and they're all, they've all become year-long sports, by the way. Right. So that's the other thing is when I was a kid, there was fall was soccer, winter was basketball, spring was baseball, summer was baseball. So there, there was a there was a, a, a delineation between the periods, and, and so ultimately, what we had to tell our son is you got to you got to pick two. We can't, mom and dad can't keep up with all this. We, it, you've got to pick two, and so you know we let him choose what it is he wants to play. But the other thing we do is we are not afraid to tell coaches. We got to pull them out of practice. We got to pull them out of games because we're going on our family trip this weekend, or we're going to um, let him have some time. So, for example, practice was canceled last Wednesday, and my wife sent me a text just saying they're out in the back playing. And I said, funny thing is, they're probably playing basketball, football, or wiffle ball, and they were, but but they're having fun at it and they're playing with their buddies. So that goes to your last point that it does, it does happen nowadays. Still, fortunately there are some neighborhoods where kids get out and they play to as long as mom and dad will let them play. I think that I, I, I'm so happy to hear that because I don't, I don't see that very much anymore. I live close to right close to uh, elementary and middle school together. And I cannot tell you the last time I've driven by there and I drive by there almost every day when I see kids out there playing without, being at an organized practice, everything's so structured. Let me leave you with one, if one comment, if you don't mind, on a little bit of a heartwarming comment here. Uh, my son and, and uh, well, my wife and I moved to the suburbs from. We lived in downtown or lived in Kansas City, and the city itself, and moved out to Lee Summit. 
10 years ago when my son, or eight years ago when my son, you know, was going to be coming of school age, wanted to get out to the suburbs. And uh, ultimately about, oh, my son's 10 and when he was probably six or seven, uh, he, some of the neighbor kids that were older, he looked up to them and uh, they, they created a, a, a wiffle ball league in our neighborhood and it's an organized league. They YouTube all of it. They have the bigs and the minors, and my son gets real excited. He got called up to the bigs last year in this wiffle ball league, completely organized by kids. And these kids that were my neighbors that brought him into that league are now 18 and 16 years old, and they're still doing it. And I told my son, I said, you've got to do that for the younger kids yourself. And that, those kids don't have to do that. And generally kids would fall away from that sort of thing when they're 15 or 16. But these are really good kids. And there's 50, 60 kids in this league that's just a kid-run league that there's no organization other than what those, those older kids have done for it. So that's a, a heartwarming story about what, it can still be if your parents encourage kids to do the right thing. And those boys, parents that, that are the older kids organizing this thing are good people. And they're, you know, I'm, I'm convinced they're, you know, part of the reason this is still happening. I, I think, think that's awesome. I think I'm just upset that I, I'm, I'm not getting an invitation. I'd love to play myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andy, that's, listen, I want to tell you, that's, that's a great story. It's not a story, it's a fact. And I want to thank you for calling in. Great comments this morning, and, and that's a great thing that you've added there. I'm glad to hear that because that gives me hope that we've still got the ability out there to let these kids play and have fun. So thank you, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, good luck good luck parenting. It sounds like you're doing a great job and having fun with it. I'm sitting at a uh, sitting at a competitive soccer match watching my son warm up right now, so ready to go, ready to go again. Okay, thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you Appreciate guys. it. Thanks for your call. You know, he brought uh, up something really good was um, the balance. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing there I think that's important is that he's talking about, you know, the competitiveness, but his kids, his son's having fun. His kids are having fun. His son's having fun, and that's what it's about. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me this morning in studio is Donnie Campbell. He's coached basketball for 30 years, both the high school and youth sport level. He's got some great insight. We're taking your calls. I want to hear from you. If you're a parent, if you're an athlete, if you're a coach, the whole topic of youth sports, parents, coaches, What's good, what's bad about it? Where's sportsmanship gone? I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and this is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And I'm here every week. We talk about the mental side of sports on this show. And today, I'm privileged to have in studio with me Donnie Campbell, who's coached basketball for over 30 years, boys and girls, youth sports, high school sports, having a great conversation about a variety of topics today. And I'd like to hear from you if you're a parent, if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, now we're getting into the issue of winning and losing. When should it be important? When should the score of the game matter? When shouldn't it? Before we get into that topic, let's see what Brian has to say. He's been waiting patiently over our break. Brian, good morning. How are you? I'm fine, sir. How are you, gentlemen? Great. Thanks for calling in. All right. Uh, it's the question I have, a question or statement I have for you guys, when I understand that it's all about you know fun for the kids, 
But my only problem is when you have parents uh, that want to put their kids in a sport and really have no business being in a sport. And the reason why I say that is because I'm coming at this from both aspects. I'm also an umpire. And as an umpire, when you get certified, you have to have, uh, through whoever gets certified through, usually you have insurance. And so my thing is, if you have a kid out there on the field and he gets smacked with the ball, and then, you know, because one thing you always hear about nowadays are lawsuits. You know, people want to sue kids or sue coaches or leagues or whatever because their kid, you know, little Johnny got smacked with the ball. And then, you know, you're out there trying to teach fundamentals and stuff like that. So my question to you is, uh, you know, I understand that it's for fun, but isn't that the reason why they have a competitive and a rec league? I mean, I was always taught that a rec league, is that's what it's for. It's just about fun. I mean, you widen the strike zone, you have fun, you let the kids hit the ball. And a competitive, you kind of narrow things down and, and dial them in. So, you know, I, I just want to kind of get your comments on, on what you think about that. And, you know, because it is. I mean, every time as an umpire you step on a field, is it raining too hard? Do I stop the game? Do I wait? You know, it's one of those things. So I'm just kind of curious, you know. Sure, you sure. Let me, let, me, let me ask you this question before Donnie jumps in here. Have you been sued? Uh, I, I have known a person that did get sued, yeah. Okay, because a kid threw a ball and hit somebody too hard? Not not because of that, but as an umpire. It was more because he was an umpire. But the, the person slid into second base, and the conditions weren't favorable. And when he slid, he broke his ankle. So they and, sued the umpire because of that? Well, right, because he he thought as a parent that the umpire should have called the game. And really, it's the UIC or whoever's in charge. That's whoever should be in charge of all that. So that's why I'm saying when you're out there and, like, I get certified through UCCA and it's, it, it has insurance just for those exact situations, if something comes up that uh, you're covered, you know, well, that's yeah, that's that's a whole other topic. But, Donnie, why don't you jump in and comment on what he was asking? Well, in, in, in coaching, you know, one of the things you got to make sure you do is that the area you're playing and practicing and it's safe that there's you know and, and safety for kids should always be number one whether it be if a kid's injured uh, they shouldn't be practicing or playing until they've be, been cleared by a doctor and the, and the area that you're pra- playing or practicing in should be safe for the kids and and uh, again we have to take insurance out when we when we coach as coaches but um, I don't see that being an umpire's fault I see that being the person suing's problem more than yeah i mean that's that's a whole other issue brian but i i guess th- let me ask this question you know first of all thank you for umpiring because you know people that referee umpire officiate you're only noticed when something goes wrong right if you you make all the correct calls nobody even knows you're there right okay so when you screw up or you've made a mistake you make a bad call and you're you're human okay uh what do you do how do you deal with that uh to me because i've been doing it for like 30 years it's, I always say, I always tell people that are starting out an umpire, look, when you go to a field, you're going to be half right and half wrong all the time. So you're 50% wrong or right for one of the teams, regardless of the call you make. You're, that's just the way it is. But the way I react to it, it's water on a duck's back. Until it gets, as an umpire, you go out there with a professionalism that when it gets to a certain point, if there's any physical uh, or cursing or abusive language, you know, that's when you draw the line, and that's when you have to take, you know, further, hey, I'm restricting you to the dugout, or I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But, yeah, it, to me, 
you can talk all day. I, that stuff, as an umpire, you got to be used. You got to get used to that. Stuff. And about, about one, we got about a minute left here for you, Brian. Have you ever ejected a coach? Yes, I've ejected a co- one coach and one player in like thirty years. Why? Because uh, the kids stood in a real close game. It was a. I thought I called it a strike. I thought it was a strike right down. It looked straight down the center of the plate, and as soon as the stood there and watched it go by I rung him up for strike three and he turned around and called me a name that I can't use on air but and I said well son you're ejected from the game how old was he uh 14 13 14 year old yeah and where did he learn that Brian from his dad from his mom more than likely yeah listen sir thank you for being an umpire thank you for what you do and thank you for calling in today great comments this morning appreciate you you know Donnie this 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 whole issue we got about a couple minutes left here when do winning and losing become important I think it's more when they get in the high school level where winning and um, losing are important. I, I, I think the emphasis should always be on how we, you know, I used to tell the kids this, you know, you can, you can be a champion without winning a championship. You know, it's a process how we do things. If we do, if we play good defense, if we take good shots, if we're fundamentally sound. If My definition hard, of winning is did you accomplish your goals today? There it's you, not what place you came in. There you go. Did you get better? Did you improve? That's the key thing. There you go. And if you take care of those things, normally winning take care of themselves. All right. This has been awesome having you in here today. You've, you've thrown some great comments out here. How can people get a hold of you? Tell, tell, tell everybody what you're doing now because you're, you're starting a, a youth sports coaching uh, you know, competition league. Well, what we're doing is John Roast is a former coach at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas and I. He was an assistant for me at Blue Valley West. Is we're, We've got youth girls and boys teams that we're going to coach and work with, and, and we're having tryouts starting next week. Boys will be Tuesday night at Westridge Middle School, and uh, girls will be Thursday night at Westridge Middle School. And uh, it's all about teaching kids. And we're gonna, it's going to be about fun. It's going to be about fundamentals and uh, uh I'm excited about it because I, I miss coaching. I've been out of it a year and a half now, and I miss working with kids. And, and I think I have a lot, both John and I both have a lot to, to give kids, uh, not only just from a basketball standpoint, but from some life skill standpoints as well. If they need to get a hold of me, they can go to my website uh, or probably best to email me at coachdonniecampbell um, at gmail.com, and that's uh, the best way to get a hold of me. All right, listen, I want to thank you for coming in today. Great comments, great feedback you've shared with everybody. I really appreciate you being here. And good luck with what you're doing because I know you're going to be successful at it. You've been successful before. and You're going to help a lot of kids and parents out to love basketball and enjoy the experience. Thank you very much for having me this morning. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs here every week. There are a lot of ways you can reach me. My website is winnersunlimited.com. You can email me there at drj at winnersunlimited.com. You can follow me on Twitter at at DRJ Sports Psych, at DRJ S-P-O-R-T, P-S-Y-C-H. My phone number at my office is 816-561-5556. Our shows are podcasted at my website and also here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. If you've got friends who have kids playing sports, you know, people coaching, have them listen to this podcast or this show, it's going to help them out a lot. Donnie Campbell, thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com.